Are you looking to open the beautiful door to the beautiful modality of Reiki, a hands-on energy healing modality? Radio host, Reiki master, speaker, and published author, Paula Vale would be honored to assist you in your Reiki training. For details, go to wellnessinspired.com. You may also contact Paula at paula at wellnessinspired.com to schedule your training. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Choices Finding Your Joy. Oh, thank you for joining us today. I am so happy today to share with you Rob Leonetti. I have had the pleasure of interviewing him in the past and just have to continue to do so because he's so fantastic. A little bit about Rob. He is a transformational speaker, author, and entrepreneur. And we are going to have so much fun today, Rob. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paula. It is so amazing to see you again. It's always such a pleasure. I can't thank you enough for having me back on your show. I love it. I love it. And I'm just so excited to share you with everyone. For those of you that have not listened to Rob, you're going to love it. So tell us, uh, uh, you know, if you'd like to share a little bit about yourself and what is your fun theme today that you're going to speak about? Well, you know, in our previous conversations, I kind of get both technical and kind of uh, open-minded, if you would. Technical meaning kind of go deep into what makes a human a human because I believe that change and mindfulness and connectedness is really the basis of what we're all about and we kind of lose our way a lot and that's societal and globally and right here at home inside ourselves and it's my position if you would the more you know about how you actually work uh the better off you could be in managing and regulating yourself if need be so that's 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 the purpose that's the uh that's the subjective you know want or need if you want to try to regulate yourself and if you're looking deeper but are just kind of lost and confused i've spent a lot of time trying to figure those things out so i love to bring my message uh to you and your audience oh i love it i love it so, so yeah just jump in rob and sure. And this, um, in this talk, I'll, I'll start out with asking uh, you a question because I want to do a little analogy for the audience to see if uh, see if it resonates. So, let me ask you, Paula. When it comes to your computers, are you a Windows or a Macintosh person, an Apple person? Well, I am a Bill and Melinda Gates girl. So, ah. yeah. Being okay, a Pacific Northwest girl, yes. Okay. Yes, with Microsoft. <laughs> awesome. So I think a person is more like a computer than all of us realize. Now, we have the same analytical and creative processing inside of us. But like any machine, uh, what happens when something goes wrong? Uh, what happens when our pre-installed software, you know, in our head becomes a problem? They say in PC world, it becomes corrupt. 
where's the geek squad to help us out, right? There's usually not one. We're kind of dependent on ourselves and, and our environment and the stimulus that comes in our brain. So what I want to talk about is the analogy that this computer kind of system uh, relates to a human being because we're all outwardly very simple. Our hardware is slick and cool, attractive, easy to use, but inside our components are in a dark, more complicated, kind of specialized by design to do, you know, a really specific job. There's a microchip for our brain. We have long and short term memory and a hard disk for permanent storage, microphones for ears, speakers for a mouth, and a power supply for a heart. So um, even our eyes inside a visual display that we look at at our computer desk. So there are pieces and parts all interconnected inside of us and they all share a symbiotic relationship. They all depend on one another, inputs and outputs. And then the software, <laughs> the software, not only pre-installed what you come with as a person, the operating system, but the stuff you install along the way, along your life, like you do in a computer, the downloads or the information, the third-party programs of questionable origins, potential viruses and malware that permeate deep into the programs. And then they pop up anytime you boot up the computer in the morning. We've all had that, right? Mm -hmm. it's, frust it's frustrating, but almost sometimes it's too much to deal with and we become desensitized to all those programs that pop up. We almost consider them part of the routine of getting online. It's crazy the, what we get used to. Now, you know me, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor, or I'm not even a computer programmer. But for over 30 years, I've been a student of human behavior, health and wellness. It's what I'm passionate about including getting under the hood, really, of, um, of neuroscience, biology, and exploring the energy that makes us all self-aware. You can call that consciousness, spirit, God, whatever. It's the, it's the same in my view. It's what makes us satient beings and what we call our home inside ourselves. So I've interviewed my share of clinical and scientific people, experts in their field, to understand that condition and my own challenges of years of anxiety, depression, difficult physical illnesses that I experienced. I have my own story like everybody has their story. But my basic conclusion with all of this self-study inside and outside was that the mind and body we're so much more connected at a level that I could not imagine. So I dedicated myself to developing a new sense of self-awareness and self-regulation. This way I could live my best life and then share lessons uh, with those who might be able to benefit from them. So back to the computer analogy. You're probably asking, how does that not? help me understand how I think and how that affects my wellness. Where's the connection? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with our neuro software. We'll take this into uh, a human being. So here's where we'll make our comparisons. 
you know, the programs deep inside our skull, inside the squishy three pounds of mush called the brain, your exterior hardware that looks like you, is you, but the stuff inside your head, that's the real you. So what makes you tick? What makes all of this work together in unspoken languages inside? So you see the vocabulary of the brain and the emotions of the body are expressed through feelings. So you have a thought, then you feel an emotion, and then your body feels a feeling. So your brain is made to reflect everything. This is a key. Your brain is made to reflect everything you know or have known in its master database, right? Your entire past, all the memories up to right this second. So then you have to ask yourself, what makes a memory? Well, first you experience something, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's stored with associations. That's how you remember it. Who was involved, the time, the place, the subject but it also contains an emotion and you feel the memory and the more emotional the memory is based upon, the more you remember and feel it. So it's very sensory because we're humans and we're high, high level thinking animals. I mean, think about a perfect example is think about a song that you had, uh, you were hearing during a really powerful memory. And if you hear it anytime in your entire life, years and years later, it brings you back to that exact moment. Here it comes. Yes. Yes. You literally relive that moment anytime you hear that song. That's how I, I relate to that. So what we're saying is memories are really powerful things. And they're little encapsulations of all the aspects of an experience. And the more powerful the emotion, the stronger the memory, like we said. And this is a big deal when it comes to trauma, because emotions are so strongly associated with traumatic events that they're very difficult to move past, very, in a healthy way. So that's why trauma lasts so long, wow. because you dwell and the chemicals that are released stay in your body and for it could happen it could it could last for years and years and that's where maybe a clinical professional is is in order but so now we understand a little bit about emotions thoughts and feelings and keeping those previous points in mind about memories let's take a look at how we all start our day now this is really this is really interesting when i realized this so most of us wake up in the morning with all the best intentions of taking on the world. But what do we do? What do we all do? <laughs> the most common thing is we lie there remembering all our problems. We go over the past and relive it. And by definition, all your problems that you're thinking about are in the past. So you start your day stuck in the past. Yes. And like we said, all those problems have an emotional tie to them. So you start feeling the emotion and where do you feel it? You feel an emotion in your body, yeah. your heart races, you get sad, you get scared, whatever the case may be. But here's the thing, your poor body cannot tell the difference 
between the reaction to the actual event in the past or your thinking that's conjuring up that memory. So to your body, it's the same thing. So how you think and how you feel create your state of being, your state of mind, your state of self. So if you start your day already in the past, that's kind of an interesting proposition, but it's really common and it's a really bad habit. And part of why we, but part of why we do this, I mean, we're the victims of our own selves. We're wired this way. We're wired to protect ourselves and survive. That's our most basic instinct. So we scan our environment for problems. And let's face it, in this day and age, problems are not that hard to find. So this is how we wake up and we start our day in this cycle. So this is a hardwired habit. We're almost not to blame. It's part of being us. So this habit literally becomes, and this is, this is kind of deep, the habit literally becomes a predictable future because you're stuck in that emotional state, all courtesy and connected to your past. Thank you very much, past. Yeah. If, you, if you can't hack that system, computer, and break the chain, you're gonna continue in this subconscious routine and create the same life day after day because you're releasing the same chemicals associated with those past emotions and you could be dang sure your body is going to get addicted to them. Oh. So, guess, so guess what? Those feelings are how you define yourself. Like we said, your state of being, you are literally addicted to yourself. Wow. So if we talk about why addiction is so powerful, it actually means it, its root is in Latin addiction and it means the state of being enslaved to a habit or practice or to do something that is psychologically and physically habit forming like narcotics to such an extent that stopping causes trauma like withdrawal really really fascinating because we're chemical machines so it makes perfect sense that we get addicted to our states of being but yet our states of being are in the past so we're not even in the present that's why the the power of now is so is, is so important so by the time so you go through your life and your hardwiring and your habits are happening from a child and by the time you're in like your mid-30s basically 95 percent of your whole personality is pre-programmed it's done now you're hardwired all your behaviors reactions your habits your beliefs your worldview is pretty much in stone so then what do you have? You have the 5% that's left and not stuck in the matrix. And what if that little piece wants to change or do something uh, new, but your body is still hungry for its daily fix? That's why change is so hard. So literally you're such a junkie to yourself that you'll make any excuse or use any person to get the rush of whatever emotion validates your identity. Like drama. Oh my God, tell me you don't know people who can't live without drama in their lives. That's true. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> right? Everybody so knows. addicted to it, and they probably don't even realize it. Right? No, that, that's the scary thing. It creeps up. So even when these people, uh, even when their world seems like it's totally on track, they'll always find something to complain about, right? When you outwardly see the person, they're on top of the world, but they'll complain about everything just so they could stay in the state of depression or anxiety that they define themselves by. So if they even begin to feel happy, they'll subconsciously go out of their way to either find a way to get their fix or sabotage themselves and boomerang right back to being their old selves because taking that chemical away is going through withdrawal. So your addiction to yourself is as strong as steel. So let's see how strong it really, really is. Like most people walk around wondering, and I was one of them, why they can't change. They're an emotional fog. They can't take action. So they wait and they wait and they wait for a reason to find them, like loss or disease or a tragedy, to even consider making their mind. I'll quit smoking when. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll turn over that new leaf uh, when this drama happens and, oh my God, I saw my, my good friend pass away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be healthier because they, they weren't and that's going to be my impetus. And meanwhile, it's lip service only and nothing ever, nothing ever happens. Yes. A study published in the, this is fascinating, a study published in the journal American Medical Association shows the results of behavior changes in patients after suffering a heart attack or a stroke. Now, th if this doesn't say it all, I don't know what does. Doctors asked for three new behaviors to stop smoking after the heart attack or stroke stop smoking, eat healthy, and do some exercise. And they had 7,500 patients in 17 countries. The result of this experiment was less than 30% engaged in one or two of those lifestyle changes, and only 4% adopted all three habits. So almost 70% did nothing after having a heart attack or stroke. Following a real close to death situation, they still fail to change. Wow. That's how crazy hard it is to change. So it's important to understand because moving from, let's call it the old self to the new self, the self that wants to change is really like death. It's like the neurological, biological, genetic death of your old self because you're releasing all of those chemicals all of those hormones that make you feel like you yeah. that's a that's that's scary right yeah. so this leads to discomfort and uncertainty and humans do not like uncertainty at all we like the familiar the warm and fuzzy state of our comfort zones yeah. predictable predictable with the illusion of safety. So why is it, why is a dysfunctional state of being better than changing? Because we can predict it. It's not, it's not unknown. It's not frightening or an unfamiliar future. 
So we're so addicted that feeling guilty and suffering in silence is 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 better to us than true change because we could predict our guilt and our suffering and our shame from not going forward and trying to change. We know it. So it's important to remember that you'll fight yourself not to change and try to validate your emotional state of feeling anytime, any day, because it you think it feels right, but it doesn't feel right. It feels familiar. That's all it does is feel familiar. So let's talk a moment about some empowering tools to change all of this, to get out of this bondage. Yes. One of the most powerful things, it's a an interesting term it's called metacognition and what's that crazy term it's just really a higher order of thinking where you are more aware it's where you become more conscious of your thinking so you could observe yourself and your patterns so you could become more in control of yourself kind of to catch yourself before you go off the precipice and do something silly that you've probably done a hundred times so to, to make lasting change, you have to hack your operating system, just like your computer. It's that simple. You have to enter the space between the unconscious and the conscious mind and install new neurological hard wiring. That's where tools like meditation and mindfulness and gratefulness and connectedness all come in. Meditation literally means knowing yourself. And you could use meditation to help disconnect and loosen the bonds of the habitual states while planting seeds for the new ones. Oh, I love it. If you can thoughtfully, Paula, and quietly disconnect, and you know all too well about this, meditation, reggae, the powers involved in those, quietly disconnect your body from its emotional addiction and think about those things and visualize those things that you're passionate about about your the image of your ideal future and you visualize during meditation you begin to feel the emotional state of that visualization of your ideal future so you're kind of getting used to it and you're pre-programming yourself to be comfortable with that image of your future ideal self so when you do this and you do it consistently your body your biology that thing that becomes addicted begins to change and your and your perspective gets altered to see this change as a real possibility and not boomerang back through drama and not find an excuse to not go forward and not give it your best effort. You're really associating your ideal self with the potential of achieving it. And it's all through the mind, the emotion, the feeling, and the creation of the certainty that could be you. So it's almost like creating a new pattern of thinking and habit that's going to create a new direction and 
become more and more familiar, correct? Absolutely. And it's your belief. You could do, you can do anything. Anyone has the power to do anything. If you, let me say this. If you believed with a hundred percent certainty that you could do X, Y, Z, like there wasn't even a potential of failing. Do you think you would do X, Y, Z? Of course it's a hundred percent. It's a lock. But when it's scary, you're going to recoil from that. But if you then train yourself and train your belief system to have the confidence to move with courage because your biology is changing, instead of being afraid, you're kind of getting the sense it's a foregone conclusion by training your mind, which trains your biology, that whole connectedness through mind and body. And then it becomes a state of being, like that state of being that you're caught in the past and anxious and afraid and whatever your problems, you know, unfortunately bring to your mind. Usually problems are problems because they're not great. So that's not a great sense of being. So. Um, Fantastic. And Rob, we have about three minutes left in the show. It's sure. just so fantastic and really a lot to think about i mean this really makes sense but yet i see it as very exciting also what what last words do you want to share with us sure before we and say I, goodbye rob and i know it's i know it's a deep subject but it's so important and i really really hope um that i provided some insight to to at least begin the journey into understanding a little bit more about how your mind is, is wired for your audience, um, what thoughts and memories are, and not, and thoughts and memories are and are not, that's really important, and, and how your body responds to them. That's really the key. I want people to realize that they have the power to change if they want to. And you're not your addictions. You can aspire to do and be anything you want. You're already empowered to hack your system. And you have the power to achieve your dreams. Live authentically. Find your fulfillment. And make a difference in the world and to others. Knowledge is power. But knowledge about self is self-empowerment. And that's what I'd like to leave your audience with. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh, that is just, that is so powerful. That is just a fantastic message. I, I had never really looked at it that way. I wanna say thank you, Rob. That's really a powerful message. And I, I, I think this is something that we can all relate to. I'm very happy you feel that way. Yes. It is just beautiful. And everyone, Rob is going to be on the show again. So, you know, keep your eyes open for his next episode. It's going to be coming. And it's we're just going to continue with this and new topics as well. I want to say thank you to everyone for being here. Love, hugs, and blessings. Rob, thank you. Love, hugs, and blessings. Likewise, Paula. And if your audience wants to find me, they could go to robleanetti.com or at Instagram at robleanetti 
or feel free to even email me. I'm happy to answer any questions. And that one's robleyanetti92 at gmail.com. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Paula. Are you looking to open the beautiful door to the beautiful modality of Reiki, a hands-on energy healing modality? Radio host, Reiki master, speaker, and published author, Paula Vale would be honored to assist you in your Reiki training. For details, go to wellnessinspired.com. You may also contact Paula at paula at wellnessinspired.com to schedule your training.